Hey guys, welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. It's Judy, and I have a guest host surprise. It's Lorraine Sink. I am a woman and a guest and a host and a surprise. Um, I mean, well, actually, Lorraine, you've been doing these amazing history, Marvel's 80th anniversary all year. Yeah, I can't believe we've already done the whole darn year. We're caught up to uh, the future. But you also had a chance to talk to one of our playwrights, right? Yeah, I got to talk to Massey Asari from the Marvel Spotlight Project, who I actually met over a decade ago when I first moved to New York City. We worked um, on a project together. And so it's really fun to reconnect and get to talk to her about her project, which is all about Kamala Khan. And it's really fun to hear about how Kamala was used in the sort of medium of theater, because it's a very different medium than comic book. She's fabulous. So let's check out the interview. Mossy, it's so great to see you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. You are a playwright, which I think is cool because we don't get to talk to a ton of playwrights, but I'm jazzed because I have a theater background and we actually kind of know each other from the past. Blast from the past. Blast from the past. What started you in theater? Let's start there. Oh, man. So so this is kind of an interesting project for me because I usually write musicals. And so it's been really kind of exciting to to write a show that doesn't have songs in it. Um, and actually, that's kind of how I got into theater was through musicals. I will say that the first play that I was really uh, sucked in by was this production of Macbeth. And there was this it was done by this British company, and there was this um, African woman who was playing Lady M, and she just, like, called up these spirits. It was unearthly. Like, I was, I've never been so terrified in the theater, and I was like, wow. I thought that was just, like, movies, and, and I didn't know that you could make something that real and that terrifying on stage. And so from that point, I was kind of sucked in. How old were you at that point? I think I was 12. Wow, you yeah. got immersed yeah. <laughs> at a young age in Macbeth. It's like a very dark show. But it was like really terrifying. And I was like, I love it, you know. <laughs> so that was it for me. I also was like strangely attracted to Shakespeare as a kid because I think you feel a lot of big emotions. And I feel like that's present. Yeah, and I think also like when you're young enough that you're not like intimidated and you're not like, I don't understand these words. And you just kind of go with the feeling and then you can be open to it. So I love that. Well, now you get to work with young ones in a different way right? Uh, on the other side. So for anyone listening who has not heard of Marvel Spotlight, what is it exactly? It's this amazing new initiative that is bringing short plays, one-act plays, about teen superheroes to high schools so that high schools and theaters anywhere, but specifically we're hoping that high schools will take them up and put them on in the, in the school auditorium, in the cafeteria, anywhere that a play can be done and just bring to life these stories of teen superheroes who are tackling both having superpowers and being a regular teenager and sort of what that balance means in their life. Your play is wonderful. It's so, Thank so you. enjoyable. Um, how did you get uh, connected with it? And is particularly because you get to write about Ms. Marvel, mm-hmm. which is one of our most beloved teens, I think, around this place. I feel so lucky. Ms. Marvel is such an amazing character. Um, well, I don't know how I kind of got pulled in. People keep asking me this, and I think I think I got I got a, I got wind of this, and I was like, I want it, you know. And I sort of I sort of knocked on people's doors, and I was like, I want to do this, and. Um, and I was lucky enough that uh, they welcomed me in, even though I didn't have a lot of playwriting experience. And um, I think my passion for Ms. Marvel as a character was part of what helped uh, make that possible. What is it about Ms. Marvel uh, that gets you jazzed? 
Yeah, I mean, she's uh, she's like sort of like what I was saying before about she's just a regular person, you know, trying to live her life. You know, she's not perfect. She's not um, glamorous. She doesn't kind of like sweep into a room and sort of stun everyone with her fabulousness. She's a little awkward and clumsy, but she believes so fiercely in doing what she thinks is right. And uh, to the point that even if she doesn't always look fabulous doing it, she finds a way to do what she thinks is right. And I feel like that's really reflective of so many of us and our own experience. And also she's a brown girl like me who comes from an immigrant background and that really resonated. Um, But also the fact that that wasn't sort of the only thing about her. You know, she's also uh, a person that so many readers and um, hopefully actors can relate to. And it's not just sort of a story or a character for one group of people, but really has this universal appeal. It's so funny that you say that because when I was reading the play, there's a moment where someone calls her out for tripping over her fist. Right. And I just wrote myself a little note that said, I feel so seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like I was just um, on my way coming here today and I was like, I've got to get my hair to look right. And I had a total Kamala Khan moment because I was like, no, Masi, you're going there to talk about like not having the perfect image. And it's not about like, I have to have the right hair to look like a playwright. And um, <laughs> what is playwright? I hair? don't know, and I'm not sure I have it, but I'm here anyway. And um, but I think that's the thing. Like Kamala comes from this time, and we're all in this time where we think that we have to look a certain way, you know, like for the Instagram feed or for the posts. And there's just so much effort that goes into it. And so in my play, she's really trying to craft her identity, and she's writing these fan fictions about who she thinks she should be and like what she thinks it should be to be a superhero. And she isn't actually that. Like she's kind of crafting, she's distorting the truth a little bit. Um, But I think that's something that we all grapple with is how do we know how to be true to ourselves um, with all these different reflections of who we are that come back to us. And I love your use of fan fiction in your play. You know, that's an important part of Kamala's uh, sort of canon in the comic books. You know, she loves her Mm -hmm. fanfic. Um, But I love the way you utilized it. What about that as a device did you think would be fun to play with? You know, it's fun. Part of the magic of theater, right, (laughs) is that um, we can do things on stage that you can't do sort of in real life. Like if you imagine if your Instagram self came to life and talked back to you, you know, and sort of you had a dialogue, right? I would love that. (laughs) So that's kind of what we can do with these fan fictions is that there can be another actor playing her as she imagines herself and they can kind of play off of each other and relate to each other as um, sort of the fanfic Ms. Marvel is acting out what Kamala imagines that she might be like and sort of so they can kind of reflect each other back to one another and I thought that would be really fun um, in a theatrical context and also this idea that like anyone can play the fanfic Ms. Marvel that we all can kind of relate to that character anyone can be her um, sort of in that imagined in that imagined space. I love that so much. And actually, you said reflective, and that reminded me of the piece's name. Right. Uh, which is The Mirror of Most Value. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you choose that name, and how does it relate to the play? Yeah, the name comes from um, a poem by a really, really famous poet named Muhammad Iqbal. And I use a little verse of the poem and kind of a turning moment in the play. And it's a verse about how... You know, spoilers, right? So here we go. But um, it's sort of about how when you break your mirror, then it's the mirror that has the most value, right? So when you, we think that there are these mirrors and these reflections of ourselves, of um, 
and they're sort of the thing that matter the most. But if we can let some of that go, then um, that the broken mirror can be the most valuable one for us. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that's so beautiful. And it actually reminds me of, in your introductory notes, I w- I'm curious how much of those notes were things that you wrote, because there's some really thoughtful, lovely notes about how characters should be played and how to deal with, you know, some of the characters wear hijab and mm-hmm. how that should be dealt with to properly tie it and use yeah. and to respect um, the people that they're portraying. I thought a lot about that in writing the play. It's a it's a real responsibility. It's so exciting to me. You know, um, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan as Ms. Marvel is, is a Muslim American girl. She's Pakistani American to really represent those aspects of her heritage, which are so important to her in the comic. And to do that truthfully and respectfully on stage, it felt to me like a really big responsibility. So I thought a lot about that. I talked to um, other people I know who um, wear hijab or have family members who do. I'm not Muslim, but my in-laws are. And so um, I have a lot of people that I'm close to who, who care a lot about the representation of culture in that way. And so I think it's a great opportunity. And I have to say, having seen some of the pilot productions, there were amazing costumes, and it was really moving to see, um, you know, young people who had never probably ever even thought about what it was like to wear a hijab and got sort of a parent to come and teach them how to wear it so that it would be respectful um, and not just kind of like an empty symbol that anyone can wave around. So I think it's kind of a cool a cool way for people to learn about something that might, they might not know about, right? Yeah, no, I, I really loved it. And there were so many little notes like that. I've, I felt throughout the script with pronunciations and, um, you know, sort of notes like that. Even even the poem you mentioned mm-hmm. um, saying, like, maybe speak to a native speaker or, yeah. or someone if you can, which are things I think that if you are a theater professional, you, you know, there's something called a dramaturg where they'll help mm-hmm. you with a lot of those things or people you'll reach out to. But I think it's so beautiful to give that opportunity to schools and younger people who may not have the experience of uh, you know a dramaturg with a master's yeah, degree here right. not everyone has it PhD. but I think I think that's the th- that's what's so beautiful about amateur theater I have to say I have a, I have another show I have a secret agent musical that gets done at yeah. a lot of high schools it's pretty fun but to see the kind of love and care that can go into a show and the way that communities can come together to put on a show it's something really special that happens in schools um, and and I think can happen with this piece that we don't have to feel like, well, I don't know how to do this and that's the end, but that we can find someone in the community who can walk us through it and then it becomes sort of our piece altogether. So I hope that will happen. I love that. I love that. And I do, that's one of the things I I always felt very passionately about theater because it is such a community art form. It's a communal art form. You know, you do it together in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, Mm -hmm. um, which is Lovely and so well represented here. Um, I'm also curious what it's like to know that your words are going to be with young actors and are somewhat targeted towards a younger audience. Uh, What was it like for you as you started (laughs) to look at the subject matter? No, I mean, it's great. It's you have to write really. You you can't phone it in writing for young people (laughs) because they will call you on it like that. Yeah, they're little truth tellers, boy. Absolutely. And so uh, I did I did get some early notes that like my teen speak was a little not quite where it needs to be. So so I worked on it and I think um, I think it got sharper. But but that was the fun thing about, you know, having a reading with teenagers um, from sort of the New York area and then doing these pilot productions is that we got to kind of test it out Mm -hmm. and see how it plays. And um, 
It's great. I mean, teen actors can do so much more than people think. And I, I definitely felt like the work was was respected and um, came, in, came into its own potential. Yeah. I think, I mean, kids are pretty awesome because, like you said, they are just these little, I don't know, everything's so new and so important at that age. And I think it's yeah. just an awesome thing to get to be a part of, I'm sure. Um, I'm also curious a little bit to know how you worked with the Ms. Marvel canon from the comics. How much reading did you do? Did you get into some Marvel Rising? What was yeah. sort of your, your knowledge I base there? I did a there? lot of reading. You know, I think I started working on this right before Marvel Rising really kind of kicked off. Mm-hmm. And so I was mainly in the comics. The comics are amazing, right? They're so good. They're just, it's, it's a brilliant comic. And so I just kind of like inhaled them all. <laughs> like I just like read them all so fast and um, spent a lot of time thinking and had had the advantage to speak with um, Sana Aminat and Steve Wacker, who had, I mean, they co-created this character with G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfana, and so they kind of knew her heartbeat, and that was really, really helpful. But I, I read a ton of comics. I, um, I told everyone I knew to read them, <laughs> and I just sort of um, stayed with that. And I read them most, most of them like on actual paper, which I think was kind of, um, I don't know, just helped help kind of felt more like um, tactile, like more real to me in a way that I was um, connecting to Ms. Marvel. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do like a nice comic page. Right? There's something, I mean, I like the smell of a book too. Like exactly. Something that is so nice. Exactly. Um, I particularly really loved Bruno's voice. Uh, I, I love Kamala. She's, you know, I know her, I love her, but I felt mm-hmm. like I got a special little piece of Bruno in this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because... Kamala is always, you know, circled around people, and I'm used to reading her yeah. in the comic, and so there are lots of people and voices around her, but I thought Bruno really stood out. Was there anything about Bruno that uh, attracted to you him, uh, attracted you to him as a character or or a voice that is familiar? Yeah. That's interesting. I love their dynamic. I really do. And it's funny because a lot of the teens were like, oh, we really wish they were together. And I'm like, no, they don't end up together. (laughs) But that's actually kind of what I love about it. At least at this part, you know, my play takes place very soon after Kamala has gotten her powers. She's like six weeks in or so. And so it's a particular moment in the Kamala Bruno relationship um, or lack thereof. And so what I love is that he he's kind of he's kind of into her and she's kind of into being Ms. Marvel and i just kind of love that because uh i didn't always see stories like that when i was growing up it wasn't the way that girls were always portrayed and so i just love that she's so focused on being who she wants to be and he is there for her you know he is a really solid friend and has kind of at this point in the uh of the story that i'm writing into with the show He's moved on. He's dating someone else. But they still have this great friendship, and they're trying to figure out how to work together. And he's trying to figure out how to um, encourage her, but also being like, I heard you fell off a fire escape. Like, what's going on? Are you okay? You know, like, like what is this? And um, which which I think a friend would do, right, we hope, yeah. um, looking out for her as she's awkwardly becoming Ms. Marvel. So I just kind of love their dynamic. Um, I love that vibe between the two of them, the kind of almost something there but not quite um, and that just feels so real t- to all of us at any moment in our lives, but definitely like being 16, I can remember those moments. So, oh yeah, I mean it's it's extremely relatable, and I also feel like there's there is something so great about seeing a loving relationship between two people that are attracted to each other, but without it having to end, like you said, in some great romance, because that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if you're lucky, you have one great romance, like in theory, in quotes, right? Like you get married to a person (laughs) in theory, right? Right, right. And the best case scenario is you both die. Not to like bring it down, but you know, like you you, like live live together forever. You know, that's the the thing. So it's okay to like like someone and and let it move through your life. And I think that's an important lesson yeah. for, for teens. That's really beautiful. Yeah, it's true that it doesn't have to kind of be this story that ends with this one particular ending or destination. And um, that part of what's so important for Kamala is finding her power, but finding kind of her confidence in her power mm-hmm. more so than um, finding her confidence in someone else's eyes, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always so interested you know, you kind of have a canon to look back on and say, okay, I know how Miss Marvel speaks and I know how this person speaks. Um, is there anyone that you think of in your personal life when you write those voices or is that a tool you use at all? That's a great question. Um, you know, there was a moment where I was kind of stuck with this play and I didn't <laughs> know what to do. And I just kind of took my phone and started talking into it monologues. So I did... I did like a Kamala. I just sort of like speaking for Kamala. And I did a Bruno. Actually, the Bruno speech is from that moment. And so I think um, I tried. Actually, I think I probably tried not to write from people in my life, but to really write in the voices of the characters. You know, like kind of I went through and was like, okay, these are the kind of words that Kamala uses, right? This Mm -hmm. this, These are kind of her rhythms. (laughs) How can I be true to that? And so I think... um, for this, that's most of where it came from. I will say that I was working um, as a lyricist on a musical based on the film Monsoon Wedding, which is set oh. in India. It's a really lovely film directed by Mira Nair, and it's it's becoming um, a Broadway musical. And so I, I write lyrics for that. And there are an amazing group of South Asian um, artists who work on that project. And so being really steeped in that community and sort of um, the loving relationships that people have, you know, become sort of like mothers and children and fathers and children like even though we're all just collaborators you see those dynamics probably in any show that you work on Mm -hmm. and so kind of feeling some of that um with that show I think probably found its way into this specifically in the character Ami I do love Kamala's relationship with Ami I love the moment where we kind of see the direct correlation between Ami seeing like what is that girl wearing right and why is she this way did you use any of your growing up experience from that, or was that all sort of crafted from? That's a good question. I mean, I think I think I, some of my growing up experiences. So my mother is is uh, was born in the U.S. She's white American. My dad is is from Ghana and West Africa. So I'm mixed race. So I kind of have this mixed race identity and some second generation immigrantness <laughs> on my dad's <laughs> side. So I didn't have that particular kind of relationship with a first-generation immigrant mother that Kamala has to write into but I have been in those rooms I've 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 felt those um, dynamics between parents who want the best for their kids and fought really hard and sacrificed really hard to make it possible for their kids to grow up in the U.S. and maybe don't always know exactly what's happening (laughs) as their kids are getting older, right? Mm -hmm. And parents and kids just trying to find their way through that. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's pretty universal from my experience. It's like, what are you doing over there? Who have you become, right? Who are you becoming? Yeah, who are you on this Instagram that I see? Right, exactly, exactly. Um, Which I always think is fascinating to see people experience their kids through 
<laughs> social media. Through a whole different lens. Yeah. It's a really different moment. It wasn't really like that when I was growing up, but now, uh, yeah. Luckily, we grew up in a time where we could still have secrets. <laughs> now it's over. That is quite true. That is quite true. I actually used to collect, well, maybe my mom will watch this, but here we go. I used to um, <laughs> climb out on the roof of my house. Actually, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, and, and I had one of those bedrooms that had a window that was it was like a gable window with like mm. a slanted roof. So I could climb out, and then this is kind of embarrassing, climb on the roof, and I would lie on my back and look at the stars. And actually, one of my favorite images of Kamala, she's sitting on a street lamp. Uh, I think she's like eating a cupcake, and her scarf is blowing out on the wind. But that kind of being alone um, at night and sort of thinking about who you are and who you want to be, I relate to that. Um, it suddenly reminds me of Kamala trying to go out her own window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, which happens a lot in our play. She she climbs out the window daily. Yeah, yeah. That, that's like the Kamala Khan gig. Exactly, like right. The <laughs> only way to get out and hero. One of her superpowers, exactly. Um, I'm so curious. So you've talked a, a bit about um, writing lyrics and, yeah. and that kind of thing. I'm so interested to know. So we, you started writing books for musicals or you started writing actual lyrics for musicals? I'm a composer first. So, really? um Yeah. So it's really kind of an adventure for me to be uh, doing words. <laughs> doing the words. And, and I, but I think, though, that like listening to the world as a composer prepares you to listen to dialogue in a way. So yeah. that's been an interesting adventure to realize for me, just kind of my own adventure these past few years. But yeah, I started as a composer first. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because I do feel like your piece is very rhythmic, right? Mm. Like it, it moves back and forth yeah. in, in a certain way with certain scenes. I could very much see that. I'm just um, curious. What kind of music did you start writing when you first started? When I first started writing, I think the first one of the first songs I ever wrote was like a jazzy tune. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I like sat at the piano and played and sang this jazzy tune. And, and I always loved jazz. I wrote... Um, show tunes. I wrote musical theater tunes. Um, I've always been really interested in like folk song and sort of um, singer-songwriter stuff. So yeah, those were kind of my ways in. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Well, and now you get to sort of pass it on to this younger generation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope that, you know, uh, I guess my own insecurities <laughs> about writing a play will, will, uh, inspire other people to, to sort of face down their own fears. You know, if they're sort of nervous about going on stage, I think Kamala Khan and Mirror of Most Value is a great place to start because she's all about not being perfect and doing it anyway. I love that. So then I have to ask you, we here at Marvel care a lot about superheroes. Yes. What is your superpower? It can be anything. Oh, man. They didn't prep me for this question. <laughs> that is such a great question. I think that my superpower is listening. I'm going to have to go with that. Sort of along the lines of uh, being a composer, just taking it all in, listening to what's happening around me, and kind of hearing sometimes the things that are not said. I'm a middle child, so <laughs> I think that kind of goes with that, too. Yeah. Um, I think in this world that we live in right now, that is one of the best superpowers you I'll take can it. have. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. It's a great question. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Where can we learn more about you and the show? Absolutely. So you can go to marvelspotlightplays.com, and um, there will be more about my show and the other shows in the series. Excellent. And then go see Monsoon Wedding when it's on Broadway. Which we hope will happen soon, but we're a few years out. Thanks so much. Of course. Thanks again to Lorraine and Masi for joining us on The Women of Marvel. As always, 
And if you guys at home are interested, you can learn more by visiting marvelspotlightplace.com. Um, and we've got some exciting news because we're both coming to New York Comic Con, aren't we? Yeah, we yeah, are. Pew, we're going to be there. Pew, pew, pew. We're going to be hanging out on the Marvel Live stage and doing the shows. If you're not there in person, uh, you can always watch us at marvel.com. We're going to be live streaming all the darn time. Uh, and if you're there, come say hi. Maybe we'll give you uh, something special. Oh, yeah. We've got a lot of swag. Uh, the Women of Marvel is coming back to New York Comic Con on Sunday, October 6th. And we are at 1215 p.m. PM in room 1A06, and we've got some exciting things happening. It's a 90-minute panel, because not only are we doing our typical standard uh, Women of Marvel panel, but we are also including the world premiere screening of Marvel Rising Operation Shuri, so please come and check both of those things out, because it's going to be a great time. So that's, again, 12.15 p.m. on Sunday, October 6th in room 1A06, and when's the This Week in Marvel panel, Lorraine? Oh, yeah, we're going to do a This Week in Marvel Marvel panel. It's going to be on Thursday, October 3rd at New York Comic Con in room 1A24. And it's from 245 to 345. And it's a big Spider-Man spectacular. Uh, we're talking about a whole bunch of Spidey stuff. We're going to have a bunch of Spidey creators. That is going to be the Spidey spot for Spidey comic and all things this week in Marvel. Uh, and I think that's it for this week. Uh, we will see you guys next time. This is Marvel, your universe. Marvel.